0: Welcome to the Ringer Podcast Network. I'm Liz Kelly. Fresh off of Talk the Thrones, The Ringer is introducing a new live Twitter aftershow covering season two of HBO's Big Little Lies. Immediately after each episode, The Ringer's Amanda Dobbins and ESPN's Mina Kimes will be going live to give their initial reactions and break down everything we saw in the episode. And to kick us off, there will be a special season two preview airing on Friday, June 7th at 12 p.m. Pacific. So join Amanda and Mina for Big Little Live every Sunday on Twitter. Welcome to Jam Session. I'm Juliette Littman. I'm Amanda Dobbins. Amanda, do you know what time of year it is? It's yacht
1: season! <laughs> Thank you so much. I've always wanted to have an air horn and it. Celebrity yacht season seems like the right occasion.
0: My enthusiasm is not coming through like yours because I'm just so proactively jealous of, okay. of everyone. All right. But I'm also really excited. I love yacht season. I live for yacht season. I live to one day be a part of yacht season. A girl can dream. I see celebrity
1: yacht season... As an inspiration. It's like, if they can, then we too can dream, you
0: know? Sure. It's sort of like a lifestyle more than an actual activity for us. Right.
1: I take energy and inspiration and aspiration from it Uh. as opposed to, you know, jealousy. Primarily because, like, I think
0: of if I were as wealthy as all of these people— I don't know if I would do a yacht. Me neither. I would own a few homes carefully placed. If I were yes. if I were on the yacht level, I would have homes in Los Angeles, New York, London, and probably France. Somewhere on the Mediterranean, also yeah, I would south assume. South or, of France. Yeah, near the Mediterranean. I think I'd go London over Paris I'd frequently go to Paris and then have my home probably I loved Antibes, so probably around there. Okay. Who knows?
1: That sounds similar to me. I think that I would spend my money on beach adjacent homes and a level of privacy where I could enjoy them without having to be on a yacht and then Same. also maintaining friends who can invite me on their yacht when I feel like it because yacht maintenance really seems, seems hard like, expensive. it seems hard expensive I don't know if that's how I would spend my Finances, but that's another nice part of celebrity yacht season, right? Is that it is a communal experience. There are the yacht owners and then the yacht goers. Yeah,
0: right. Yes, and people that's great. get the invite. You get the call up.
1: It really is in a lot of ways like the greatest snapshot of that that idea that we all have of all the celebrities are hanging out together. Yeah. And I don't think it's like totally true except during yacht season when they it very is true. Yes. yes, and they want you to know about it
0: too, which is very funny. Yes, they they certainly do. And yacht season, the unofficial kickoff, perhaps they Official, honestly, yeah, is the Cannes Film Festival, which was last week, yes. and uh, Memorial Day has passed. It's officially summer. We know the summer slate of movies and the fall to look forward to now, and it's time to jump off the side of the yacht and dive into yacht season, baby. It's really exciting, and the the yachts were out at
1: Cannes. I'm Full looking force. right now, so I would just like to shout out producer, research director, and cruise director Kaya McMullen. <laughs> who put together a tremendous research doc about yachts based on ridiculous requests like, I would like a sense of the general shape of yacht season. <laughs> and Kaya delivered. So now I am looking at a, tr- a really a tremendous resource by a Forbes contributor named Jim Dobson. It's called Billionaire Super Yacht Showdown. Who's who at the 2019 Cannes Film Festival? And I can't really verify this, but it's a list of
0: The world's largest yachts and where they are currently, like in the sea. It's pretty amazing. He's really doing a lot of the Lord's work. Again, can't verify it, but we're going to just accept this information on face value because otherwise, what else are we going to do here? Right. So yachts that are where
1: it can during the film festival include the Maltese Falcon, (laughs) who is owned by a hedge funder named Elena Ambrosiadu, Sunrays by Ravi Ruya, who is an in India steel and oil magnate? This is all information from Jim Dobson. Jim Dobson, like I you're doing the Lord's work. Doing a lot for us.
0: Really appreciate it. Several other
1: yachts. Like honestly, it seems like about so 20 many. yachts.
0: It's hard to understand how there's enough like parking, yacht parking for all this around Cannes. Well, they all park kind of in the bays, right? Yeah. Especially the like larger yachts. Yeah. yeah.
1: Well, there's a Marina, and then there are the yachts that are just kind of like, we're going to dock offshore. Yeah, that's where a when little he- boat brings you in. Right. So I guess that's how they make room. Anyway, definitely started in Cannes. And then there was also the celebrity component to Cannes yacht season. Incredible. So uh, Leonardo DiCaprio yes! has a movie coming out this summer called Once Upon a Time in Hollywood. It's a Quentin Tarantino film, also starring Brad Pitt. And the movie
0: premiered at Cannes. And as a result, Leo out on a yacht. <laughs> He's like one of the most elite yachts that we have. I don't know if it was last summer or the summer before where there was like the pictures of him with the snorkels and everything. Sure. And the I mean and also the iconic like water jet pack
1: pictures. Yes. Loves water sports. Loves I, I mean to be fair he bikes a lot as well. I guess Leo is an a, an outdoorsy active kind of guy. He's a man of leisure. Yes.
0: And I really really respect it. He does it right. If I had the money and the resources that he does, mm-hmm. I would be doing the exact same thing and probably mix up my outfits a little bit more since he seems to pick like one outfit per season and just really goes with it. Uh, always a lot of basics, but he is like an important part of of this season. Mm-hmm. And he got on a yacht in Antibes, I believe, which is like down the down the road from Cannes. I think it's like an hour away, basically.
1: I believe that it's one of the major hiring and launch points for <laughs> in the yacht. It is. Ecosphere, because then I started Googling, like, ridiculous things like winter yacht season. And I'm now reading from the blog, Work on a Yacht, the official website of the Insider's Guide to Becoming a Yacht Stewardess, which is taking this from, like, a different angle, but also (laughs) is great to explain how this all works. And apparently, the four best places, the Yacht Crew Hiring Ports, which is kind of where it seems like a lot of the yachts launch from this. Yeah. Are Fort Lauderdale. Yes,
0: Newport, fancy Rhode fancy, schmancy.
1: Island, Antibes, yeah, and Palma de Mallorca in Spain. So yeah,
0: phenomenal. Right. When I was in Antibes last year, there were a lot of like yacht um, employees, like but, like their mm-hmm. night, like they were like in a bar because it was like their night, like yeah, change- yeah. of changeover. Sure, yeah. There's a big marina, and there. so
1: the summer season, which typically takes place in the Mediterranean, <sighs> is starting
0: now. Which Mediterranean, is great. And, like kind of Aegean as well. Yeah, well, you know, you, if you can yeah. keep going, why not? Keep going. <laughs> Obviously, I think it starts a little bit more like south of France, and then people start to migrate towards Italy. And, of course, shit really pops off, you know, the Amalfi Coast, Capri. Yeah. That's where all these people love to go. Sicily. Never forget the time
1: I swam in Sicilian waters, like 30 days after Beyonce swam there. Just amazing. Yeah. Sicily is lovely
0: for and swimming. And also learned
1: that Roberto Cavalli's boat like lights up and has rainbow colors. It's
0: incredible. <laughs> so we we should talk more. Obviously, we'll talk more about all the yacht stuff, but can we take a briefly an Art of DiCaprio detour down once upon a time in Hollywood Lane? Yes.
1: So just the can of it all is definitely worth noting. The can red carpet is historically a, a major celebrity to-do. Yes. People really bring it all. For the canned red carpet, primarily because they have sexist dress codes that say that you have to wear heels if you're a woman. Maybe Insane. they got rid of that. Insane. But that was literally like two years ago that was still happening. France, get it together. Anyway, Leo and Brad Pitt and Quentin Tarantino and Margot Robbie, who is also in Once Upon a Time in Hollywood, she plays Sharon Tate, were in attendance— Were they ever. It was quite a scene.
0: So there's two—there were two, like, photo calls for them. Mm -hmm. One was for the actual premiere of the movie, and then the other was, like, legitimately, like, a photo call for the movie. Like, it wasn't wasn't even tied necessarily to an event, but he just kind of, like, had to show up for pictures and whatnot. And Brad Pitt was just sort of, like, in major fuck it mode. I think this was—this was after the premiere. So he may have been, like, on his way out. That's my hypothesis, because he showed up to this photo op session— in a long-sleeve, black, like, collared t-shirt, essentially. Yeah. Black jeans, kind of beat-up, scuffed suede boots, mm-hmm. his typical kangol ass hat, and sunglasses. And it looks like this is, like, his go-to plane outfit. When I saw it, I was like, oh, this is what he wears to fly. Can I just say,
1: like, I'm sure it's his go-to plane outfit, but I fear that it is also his go-to outfit right now. Because, what he wears. because it is kind of... Indicative of men's fashion right now, which is just at a real nadir. It's so bad. Men's fashion, in a way, it's nice because they're doing like a woman repeller thing. They're all dressing for each other. (laughs) And we have all, you know, we have all as women done a similar thing. And that's great. And it's important to feel good about
0: yourself. But I would like to stage a lot of interventions. It's baffling. And then he's saying this to Quentin Tarantino, who like somehow— is more dressed up than Brad Pitt at this casual photo call. Well, I mean, some of that's just a power move. Like, Brad Pitt does not have to dress up. He also is, like, standing in one of these pictures. It's it's the four that you mentioned, plus two of their producers, Shannon McIntosh and David Heyman. And Brad Pitt's just sort of, like, hanging out. just being like, okay, take my picture, whatever. He's not posing. He's not stunting. He's just, like, so casual and laid back. And, I mean, he he must, like, microdose, if I had to guess. I mean, that's the only thing I can really say about this picture.
1: He seems like he's uh, very comfortable, which is great. Yeah, of course. But I mean, also, should we talk about the red carpet briefly? Yes, absolutely. So there is the more formal red carpet. They're wearing tuxes. And it's just, Brad Pitt is aging quite well. Is that the professional way to put it? Yeah, I, I mean. <laughs> <laughs> I just, as soon as we start talking about Brad Pitt, I'm reminded of the time that my husband was just like, every time you and Juliet talk about Brad Pitt on Jam Session. It's uh, quite inappropriate. And I
0: I don't know what to say. I'm going to try to be a grown up here. Brad Pitt, more than any other celebrity we have of truly any age at this moment in time, defines the ineffability of celebrity to me. There is just something so appealing about him that is like either parallel or in spite of all the facts that I know about him. Like, I'm just sort of like, I don't care. Like, that is a really abnormally attractive, handsome person who carries himself with such a confidence that it it was like he was born to do one thing and that was to be famous. There are born movie stars. There's, you
1: know, obviously beauty, which this is, it's as a physical being, Brad Pitt is doing better than most of us. And then... Yeah, charisma and presence. He really, really has it. It's one of those kind of boring qualities. Speaking of charm and celebrity, I would like to also talk to you briefly about the Esquire cover and interview Yes, lots. that came out this week as well, featuring Quentin Tarantino, Leonardo DiCaprio,
0: and Brad Pitt. Can I just ask you one question? Yeah, please. For Leo and Brad Pitt. Yes. Do you think, like, what's the deal with their hair? They both have such luscious locks. Like, I don't get it. Is this... Natural? Is this enhanced? Is it the best hair work you've ever seen? So, Leo has the hairline creep. He has a little bit of hairline creep, particularly his widow's peak. But, like, he's this man's almost 50. Yeah. He's looking great. Well, is he? I I think he does. I, I also just like a natural look,
1: so. I think it's very, very unfair to any other human being to have to share the cover of a magazine. With Brad Pitt? With Brad Pitt in, like, the short sleeve, slim-fitting Prada polos.
0: The thing about this I cover... I just, like, it's... The thing about this cover is he is acting like and style-liked Rusty from Ocean's Eleven, which is by far his best role mm-hmm. without all the Ocean's movies. And that is particularly unfair.
1: Let me just say, also, his clothes are way better. And hair is way better than Rusty because Rusty had the tragic 2001 yeah. the frosted tips. and yeah. Brad Pitt gets to be in 2019. Rusty's stuck in 2001. Yeah. So... I would say that also—the interview is quite long, and it's with the three of them. And the dynamic also continues in the interview, where Leonardo DiCaprio is giving these, like, really earnest, like, two- and three-paragraph-long answers about, like, what it's like to be a filmmaker. And Brad Pitt's just, like, on another level. He's just—it's important to live in the moment, and here's what it was like when I was growing up. He's locked in and is both more specific and more kind of—you just, you know— The experience of making a movie, that's what it's about for me. And I hate it when literally everyone else says that, but when Brad Pitt is saying it, I'm just like, wow, this guy is the most charming man in the world. But I would like to read one particular part of it to you. Please do. If I could. Yes, I'd love it. So they're talking a little bit about the structure of the movie, which I have not seen, but apparently it takes place over the course of three days. Okay. And here's Leonardo, the beginning of Leonardo DiCaprio's, like, this has to be a 400-word answer that I'm looking at. No, maybe it's like 250, whatever. It was hard for me to wrap my head around that concept because I don't think I've done a film where the narrative takes place over just a couple days. And then he just, like, talks on and on and on about, like, the structure of films. Where's
0: the beginning? Where's the middle? Yeah. Where's the climax and the crescendo?
1: And, that like, and finally, the end of the thing, this answer is, but doing a film that's set over only two, three days, it's an experiment that I don't think I've ever done before. He looks at Brad Pitt. Have you done it? Cut to Quentin Tarantino. Well— Titanic is only a couple days, right? <laughs> <laughs> and then God bless the transcribers, I who just, the next thing is Leonardo DiCaprio, in brackets, go silent, then true. Which I, you know, I would, le- I think there are 50 different interpretations of the line read for true. And I'm just imagining the group of people who sat there listening to the tape, trying to figure out how best to accurately describe the awkward silence and then Leonardo DiCaprio having to talk about Titanic, which
0: he's clearly so mad about. It's really really good. It's he says I guess you're right, I stand corrected. I yeah. guess it is. Did you did, is he on record as not wanting to talk about Titanic? Like is that a thing people knew?
1: I don't know. I think he has generally expressed some kind of maybe not quite displeasure, but obviously he wasn't nominated for an Oscar which and he didn't go to the Oscar, so he was pissed about that. And then Talking about how it was overwhelming that that right. moment in time for him, which sure, but I think it's pretty clear in this one that he's not thrilled about being reminded of Titanic at that moment by that's, the ultimate movie nerd. It's
0: really funny. That's it's true. He is the ultimate new movie nerd. Yeah. nerd, and it is really funny. I kind of hate when people are like that, though. Just accept your roots, man. Although I guess if it was a painful time, how do I know? Whatever. I don't know. There's just there's some great stuff from here
1: about Brad Pitt and like watching Burt Reynolds when he grew up and like dining at Shakey's the pizza place for two dollars a day when he was coming up as an actor it's very charming for Brad Pitt great yeah. performance seriously you know it must be hard to be in Brad Pitt's shadow even if you're Leonardo DiCaprio uh I completely agree at least he has the yacht we did <laughs> not
0: see Brad Pitt on a yacht no we did not although he could be I guess so it's not architecturally pleasant enough for him That's true. Should we talk about yacht interiors? (laughs) Yes. Oh, my God. Okay. Let's, Let's do that. But first, let's talk about today's sponsors. I'd like to tell you about MAC Powder Kiss Lipstick because it's the moisture matte lipstick of your dreams. It's matte reinvented, and I'm a huge fan. MAC's new matte formula feels weightless, instantly hydrates, and doesn't dry out your lips. It was originally developed as a backstage trend for a soft matte look, so it's backstage tested and artist approved. Many other matte lipsticks are drying, but the Powder Kiss Lipstick is where matte meets moisture. The velvety soft matte colors glide on effortlessly, providing instant long-term hydration that doesn't dry out your lips. So you get the zero shine smooth look of a matte lipstick with the lightweight feel of a bomb. The Powder Kiss lipstick comes in 24 gorgeous colors with a wide range of pinks, nudes, reds, and plums to complement any skin tone. The weightless cushiony texture of the Powder Kiss lipstick is the perfect way to amplify your look that spring. I just went to a wedding, my first of the season, and I wore my new Powder Kiss lipstick. It stayed on a long time. It went on really easily, and it was a delightful shade. It was like a orangey red, and I'm so glad to have it. If you are interested in this totally new lip experience, get a Powder Kiss lipstick. Head to your nearest Mac location to meet your mat today, or shop at maccosmetics.com.
1: Can't wait for Toy Story 4. Take Toy Story everywhere with Toy Story Drop, where the world of Toy Story comes to life in the only mobile game fully themed in the Toy Story universe, including the upcoming Toy Story 4. From Buzz to Bo, Woody to Rex, Toy Story Drop lets you play with your favorite Toy Story characters from all four movies and journey through iconic locations from the Toy Story universe, including Toy Story 4. Engage in more than 200 levels of gameplay across Andy's room, Pizza Planet, Bonnie's room, and additional content every few weeks. Unlock bonus narrative shorts with Woody and Buzz. And on June 21st, experience a drop of Toy Story 4-themed content as you help Bo Peep find her lost sheep and start collecting pieces to a forky-themed character playset. Toy Story Drop is now available on iOS, Android, and on Windows tablets. Go to ToyStoryDrop.com slash jam to download today and take the magic of Toy Story with you on the go with Toy Story Drop. Play the game between now and June 20th to unlock a special voice pack and hear the claw. All right, let's
0: talk about Yacht Interiors. Yeah, we're going to do a whole thing,
1: facts, points of interest, about things basically that Kaya taught me about yachts in the last
0: uh, 24 hours. Thank you, Kaya, again. Hashtag Kaya taught me. Yeah. Hashtag Kaya, <laughs> hashtag Kaya cruise director. Uh, uh, there's a grand dame of lot interiors, and her name is Linda Pinto, per EliteTraveler.com. And Architectural Digest. There's just so
1: much about her. Yeah. So the main thing I learned is that she has decorated 10% of the world's hundred <laughs> most expensive yachts, which equates to 10 out of 100 yachts. Thank you for the easy math, Architectural Digest. That's a lot. <laughs> yes, it is. I, what they have here, it seems... Like um, She likes, you know, a wood paneled, it, like vaguely nautical, like uh, a chic beach house. It's not even really beachy. It just has
0: nods to beach house elements, I should say. I like what she's done with mm-hmm. a lot of her work. I think there's a real issue with wood on yachts because obviously you can't go too heavy with wood because it's hard. I mean, vintage yachts have a lot of them, but I assume it's hard to maintain because of the sea salt air and whatnot. Sure. And I feel like not having wood necessarily makes the style just not completely for me in general.
1: I have to say that I don't think anyone's thinking about maintenance costs or practicality
0: <laughs> when they're putting together their
1: design for one of the world's 100 most expensive yachts. I think like I own a yacht is the summary for I will no longer be practical because sure. it is like pour literally like pouring money into the ocean. <laughs> literally. Yes. That said this looks really nice. Apparently Lindell also does private jets if you yeah. need that decorated as well. Yeah. What would be your yacht motif, Amanda? Um. Wow, I haven't even thought about that. I think, you know, I would mostly use it in the Mediterranean, and perhaps I would want to recreate some of the Mediterranean aspects of it. You know, clean lines, probably like white, and then pops of color. You know, sure. I would like it to be practical primarily because I will be in and out of the ocean a lot. Right. So it needs to be a place where I can lounge in a bathing suit inside, outside without ruining anything. So Again, at this point, I'm throwing— Practicality to the wind. I feel like pop art really makes sense for
0: yachts, you know? And also one thing I would do that would be, I think, really weird, but I would really like it mm-hmm. was I would go heavy on my deck chairs being plastic Adirondack chairs. I just feel like that would be really comfortable and practical. I'm sorry that I'm not at the level of wealth where I can throw practicality to the wind. I don't know yeah, if that's but you like. like to imagine that you are. <laughs> well, you also get really fancy plastic chairs.
1: Why plastic though? I want the really nice ones. Like good loungers. Yeah, like I want the elite resort pool lounger but on my yacht um okay I don't okay. know I, no, just, I hear you. I think that there is something to be said for a nice cushion there's you know? also the ones that
0: are really low to the ground like pool loungers then like kind of like the wood pops out of the frame oh too. yeah I like that that could look good on a yacht too okay yeah. would you have a lot of the toys like you know the big trampoline no, absolutely and the water not. slide no I'm an adult so uh, you on below deck those are really popular I oh yeah they seem fun <laughs>
1: Is there anything else that
0: you have learned from Below Deck well, that I need to know? The main learning of Below Deck, as Steven Soderbergh and I can tell you, yes. is that the people who go on Below Deck aren't, like, true yachties. You know, they sure. they're willing to be on TV while on their yacht. So it's a different kind of thing. But, you know, they do a lot of day trips. They do a lot of, like, you get off the boat and you go on a smaller boat to a small island. And then there's the toys. And then there's just, like— they're at your beck and call. Like, I think an underrated part of this experience is the staff. Like, there's just a group of people who are there for you to take care of your every want and need.
1: But see, that makes me anxious.
0: Because
1: <laughs> you're just like at sea with a bunch of people.
0: I'm worried about erosion of like the items on the boat and you're worried about having to be around other people. Yes, that you don't like. Which is, I guess, a summary of a lot of things. <laughs> yeah. yeah, Totally. We can only be ourselves even in yacht
1: season. 100%. Okay. So, I'd like to talk about like isn't that a feud, but kind of the biggest question of Celebrity Yacht Season 2019.
0: Particularly for, for Americans.
1: Yeah. Is Barry
0: Diller versus David Geffen's which yacht will win? And obviously, this is a biased place because we are so deep in the tank for the David Geffen yacht as we covered it breathlessly last summer. But thanks to Kaya, it's come to our attention that they kind of go neck and neck as to which is the more influential yacht. And David Geffen's is worth almost $500 million and it's the 12th largest in the world. But is there room for Barry Diller to catch up with better guests? I mean, it's definitely possible. I don't want to be rude to anyone here, but I'll just read the Barry Diller okay. yacht list.
1: And by the way— <laughs> We are aware of these guest lists because they are posted on Instagram. Yes. This is—it's a classic, the celebrity yacht Instagram post. It's a—I a, think it must be like on the terms of I Oprah agree to come on your yacht and I agree to be photographed on Instagram. Yeah. Anyway, Oprah was not a Barry Diller's yacht, so he has some work to do. Last year, Bradley Cooper and Arena Shake, Allison Williams, Anderson Cooper, Andy Cohen, and Harry Styles. I will say, there's a younger generation here. So there's, like, room for growth, as opposed to David Geffen's yacht, which he did have Carly Kloss and her now husband, who's a Kushner. Yes. But, you know, that's kind of loaded. And then otherwise, the Obamas, Oprah, Tom Hanks, Paul
0: McCartney, Diane Sawyer— Just, like, a who's who, the true elite. I mean, the Obama's Oprah-Tom Hanks trifecta is just overwhelming. It's true. It's really a quartet. But, you know, that's power as it is right now, and what is
1: power in the future. Yeah, it's true. I think, also, we really need to talk about, like, Beyonce and Jay-Z, as I mentioned, they definitely yacht They do their own thing. So does LeBron, by
0: the way. LeBron does an annual yacht trip. So,
1: and Beyonce and Jay-Z are also subscribers to the, like, True wealth and luxury is total privacy. So they're caught by paparazzi from time to time, but we don't they don't post from Instagram. so we don't know who else is on their yacht.
0: It's true. It's true. They keep it private. They're not they're looking just for a luxury vacation right. not for you to know who they're yachting with. Though they do stop in ports, they go
1: a lot of places, so you can see them. And they also, it's not like they don't like to have a big party. Like, for example, their Oscar party this year was the Oscar party to be at. They yeah. have eclipsed the Vanity Fair party, and then it, you go late night to the Chateau.
0: Amelia Clark's, where she met Beyonce and was yes. wearing shoes in a letter down. Exactly. So it's not that they're opposed to it, it's just that they don't project it which is even cooler it's true yeah they like just keep they keep it low right find us if you if you want but i'm trying to think of any other yachts of influence um well there's the nba scene sure where the banana boat came from a yacht trip of gabrielle union and dwayne wade lala anthony and carmelo anthony lebron and savannah james and chris and jada paul so they do a yacht trip together Last summer, Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union did like a major yacht vacation. They went to and they went to like the Monaco Grand Prix. They went all over, and they're. they're I think that's a yacht of influence. It's not quite at the same level, but it is like a pretty big deal because I personally think that Gabrielle Union is like beloved across so many sectors of, of, of entertainment. And also, we did the high school, the top twenty-five high school movies on The Ringer last week, and I wrote the blurb for Bring It On. And I was just thinking about like what an amazing long career she's had from 10 Things I Hate About You to being Mary Jane to basically being an Instagram star as well. Yes. Like, it's kind of it's kind of insane. She's been acting for 22 years. Right. And I think that she's, like, very important to many different people and also, like, fun. And she's also written a book and yeah. she has a new TV show with Jessica Alba. She Clothing like, line. She's diversifying.
1: She's doing that thing that a lot of celebrities don't get to do. Yeah. So I completely agree with you. I think there are different spheres of influence yeah. in the kind of... The yacht world. And then probably at this point, like last year, David Geffen definitely won.
0: Yeah, there's no question.
1: Because Obama's Oprah, Tom Hanks, Paul McCartney. That's it's still that is a a aging generation. But they still they still got it.
0: The other thing that we don't even have access to in here in the American press or like you just seek it out way more is like the European soccer star and the Russian oligarch scene. Very true. Because like Ronaldo is also a major yachter, yachty. And I've just been looking at pictures of Ronaldo and his family on yachts for many years in a row, and they—that's like an Ibiza, Ibiza scene that we don't really engage with as Americans. But it's very active. In fact, the banana boat goes there. Dwayne Wade and Gabrielle Union—they go there. It's kind of like an athlete hotspot. It's also beautiful. I know. I would love to engage more
1: with. <laughs> I haven't been to Mallorca, but I've done like the Spanish coast, and sure, you know, I'm interested. Yes, we should say that on the Billionaire Super Yacht Showdown post, which we're going to share because this is a tremendous resource and apparently will be updated throughout the season, there are a lot of uh, Russian yachts.
0: Yes. Yeah. Like, a lot of Russian billionaires. Yes. It's kind of insane. And they're, like, they are all invest in metal, which I'm wondering if that's, like, code for, like— Like in the U.S. it'd be construction. Yeah, this is just metal,
1: right? Also, a great yacht fact from Kaya. So the largest yacht by volume in the world, which I don't, (laughs) what that means that like the water that it displaces. What is that? Okay, it's yacht Dilbar, and it's owned by a Russian business magnate, Alisher Uzmanov. And then the largest yacht by length is called the Valkyrie. Amazing. Great stuff. Great great stuff indeed. Yeah. How long is the longest yacht? Uh, 751 feet long. Though it's saying that it aims to be, so I guess it's still in construction, and it's designed by the Latvian-based firm Latitude, Latitude Yachts. Got to say, Architectural Digest, which is where I'm getting this information, very much on its yacht coverage. Good for them. It really is amazing. Anyway, Valkyrie aims to be 751 feet long, a length that would shatter the current record of 591 feet. Oh my God.
0: Yeah. That is just like insane. How do you dock that thing? I guess you're always just taking a, a dinghy to it and back. Yeah. Which I suppose that
1: makes sense. Yeah. At that at that length, you're not really trying to interact with people.
0: Would you be interested in being part of like a fleet of yachts, like, you know, you're on your boat, I'm on mine, maybe Chris Ryan's on another, like and then we all like sail around together, or do you want to have more of a communal experience? I suppose it depends on the size
1: of the yacht. Sure. And also,
0: like, are we doing it for a
1: summer? Or a week. I mean, I like both options. I think that sounds fun. (laughs) I think if it's a summer, we're all going to feel a little bit better if we have our own space. I mean, Chris is also an only child, so he needs the—you know, and we can all will feel together but
0: still independent, Mm -hmm. which is an important part of vacation. Would you want the Monaco Grand Prix to be part of your yacht calendar? Because kind of like the first event is Cannes. The middle of the summer Mm -hmm. is the Monaco Grand Prix. Mm -hmm. I I think that's either in late June or early July. I I can't remember. I'm pretty sure it's late June. And then the end of the summer is just like kind of a Mm free-for-all. But those, you know, it's kind of like while we have Memorial Day on July 4th, there's Cannes and the the Grand Prix. Of course. Would you celebrate both? Uh, So when you are living in Monaco, I would love to visit you (laughs) for the Monaco
1: Grand Prix. That would be one of the—part if of my standing invitation, I would take you up on that one summer. I'd like to know what it's about. It does seem like it would be a little more crowded, so— I might find that overwhelming, and I might like to see it when it's a little quieter, though it doesn't really seem like Monaco
0: equals quiet. I went to Monaco, as discussed many times, for, like, a few hours. It left a huge impression on me. And it is kind of quiet because there's, like, there's all these empty apartments. Like, it's literally a tax haven. Right. So if you, like, deviate out of the Monte Carlo casino essentially like it is weirdly quiet like it's kind of hard to find a normal place to eat or like a drugstore because it's such a fucking weird 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 place I, I, it's so overwhelmingly weird that I, I don't even know what else to say about it but it is also a great place for a yacht I mean but you have to step off looking grand you know Yeah,
1: Yeah, there does seem a lot of pressure for, like, the entrance into town.
0: One of the problems with yacht season, although I don't think this is true on David Geffen's yacht, which is one of the reasons why it seems really appealing, is that you have to, like, dress up for the photographs and for when you dock, you know? Mm -hmm. Like, you can't just be cash on your yacht. You have to, like, be wearing some kind of cool— Moschino print, you know, right? Yes, and like a long flowy dress for the one.
1: large hat and yeah. something with palms. Yes, it's it's yeah. ve- it's
0: very um, Casino Royale.
1: Though I gotta say, at this point, it seems like if you're the type of person that's living your life in public, you have to do that like any anyway. time you go on vacation, right? You have to it's buy true. all the things in the Goop vacation section and then like get the right cliff photo, even if you're not on a yacht. So you might as well be on a yacht while you're doing
0: it. Something that we intuited as well is that. um Yacht summer seasons in the Mediterranean, but there is an official, as you pointed out, leaving from Florida, um, Caribbean yacht season as yes. well. Are you interested in participating in the St. Bart's yacht scene?
1: Absolutely. <laughs> I th- I think that probably St. Bart's is one of the f- the celebrity scenes that I know the least about and need
0: to know the most about. And I'm most interested to know more about. Definitely less paparazzi there. Like, yeah. way less. You get some of those pictures in around Christmas time in December, but just in general, way less photographed. I mean, part of that is because, as I just mentioned, the two events that are at the heart of the Celebrity Summer Yacht season are on land and majorly photographed. So, mm-hmm. like, there's kind of the like coalescing events. or like, Yes. But the St. Saint, the Saint Bart scene is, like, way more of a free-for-all. I feel like Richard Branson's actually a, a part of that as well, not mentioned as much. Right. Well, doesn't he have his own island? Yeah, in the Caribbean. And then where where um, Ned Rock and Rolla and Kate Winslet went? Right, and like then got it, married. But
1: it was also on fire, and then they had to save. people. There was yeah. like an evacuation. And then there's situation. also a the famous picture
0: of Harry Styles, least famous to me, in the hot tub with Richard Branson, like from right. five years yeah. ago. Are you familiar
1: with Mystique?
0: the island? Yes. Oh, yeah. Right. So
1: I'm obviously because Princess Margaret lived there for a long time, and it's it's like part of the royal lore. I'm very interested in that.
0: Someone very close to me in my life has been there several times. Wow.
1: Yeah. That's great for them. Yes. See, so yes, I would like to know more about that experience is what I'm saying. Maybe (laughs) in the winter. maybe we can just make yacht season all year long. I mean, in my heart, obviously. Yeah, of course.
0: On these yacht websites, it's so funny. They're just like, the winter is so so dreary. It's so hard. Like, okay, I think I would love a winter on the Mediterranean, even if it's like not ideal. I did see the towns in Mr. Ripley, and the knitwear they wore by the water looked lovely. Very true. So, I'd be happy to do it at
1: any time of the year. All right. We are going to be keeping an eye on yacht season. Are we ever. We would also love your questions, updates, information. This is a yacht community. If you're still listening at this point, like, just let us (laughs) know. Thank you so much. Yeah. Uh, Also, let Kaya know because she's, you know, in charge of the facts. And we will see you
0: very soon. Yes. Thanks so much for listening.